You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. No matter the circumstance, the circumstance is good. Right. No, it, the joy is rooted in no matter the circumstance, God is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's sovereign. He's always good. It's using another person's circumstance to make you feel better and try and find your joy through that, which is so fleeting because their circumstances can change or yours can change. Yeah. That's not lasting. Think of Psalm 51, where the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. If there is anything circumstantial or what 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 ultimately gives us gladness of heart is ultimately the fact that it is a miracle um, that God took any hell-bound sinner and plucked them off the wide path that leads to destruction and put them on the narrow one that leads to life. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Family Discipleship Podcast. I'm here. Oh, this is Adam Griffin, first of all. And I'm here with my two usuals, my two usual co-hosts. Usual suspects. Oh, sorry. Here with the usual suspects, Stephen Baldwin and... Wow, I'm so proud of you right now. Well, do You're you a film guy. Uh, not huge film guy, but I did meet Stephen Baldwin once. Yeah. Do you remember this, When Cassie? he came to the offices with he, Steve You Harden. and I, I think we're together, and we were having a meeting, and, and Stephen Baldwin, Baldwin comes walking in. And he starts showing me pictures of how beautiful his daughters are and asks me to pray for his beautiful daughters and how hard it is to have beautiful daughters. And then, you know, very soon after, one of them marries Justin Bieber. It was a very surreal Oh, I didn't know experience. that was his daughter. That oh, yeah. Justin Bieber. You don't remember that? I did not know that. Is she still married? She Justin is beautiful. Yeah, I think they're still married. I don't it know. is I hard to have beautiful them. daughters. Yeah, I, I wouldn't can, know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Is that hard, Cassie? Well, yeah, I think so. Okay, I believe just it. like you get worried that... People are only going to see the exterior. I bet it's also hard just to, you know, include everyone. I bet it's also hard to not have beautiful daughters. Oh. <laughs> just include oh, everybody. Yeah. You mean people with sons? Oh. Or you mean, be- or you mean people that know saying. their daughters aren't beautiful? I'm, just let, I'm letting everybody them. just just be comforted right now, <laughs> no matter who they are Beauty's and what they have. not just skin deep. Well, the voices, like, right. the voices that you're hearing are our dear friend, Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm very good. Good. And your beautiful daughters, how are they? They're also very good. Oh, good. Yeah, we're, kind of, we're having a yeah, good... Yeah, have a lot in common. Good Aww. fall. Aww. We're having so a, a good fall. It's been really sweet getting back into the rhythms of life. Great. I love fall. And of course, my wife, Chelsea Griffin, is with us today as well. Chelsea, how you doing? Doing good. Happy to be here. Good. I'm happy you're here as well. I go wherever you tell me. <laughs> I schedule <laughs> and you make me sound so demanding, like a monstrous husband. No. Oh, why'd you hesitate so much before you said no? Mm-mm. That was a deep breath. I'm just breathing. Oh, okay. See the demand? She's smi- I like can attest to smiling. smiling. She's can't smiling. Even, like, breathe a certain way. Oh, my goodness. Golly. This guy rules this house with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. I don't even have iron fists. <laughs> I have, like, regular fists. Flesh. <laughs> flesh and bone Fleshy, fist. Flesh bone. <laughs> All right. Well, on today's episode, we're talking about joy, everybody. Joy. It's a fruit of the spirit. I've heard of it. You have heard of it? Have you ever experienced it? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, that's good news. Awesome. Maybe Are you waiting for me to say in the, our marriage? the joy of being married to you? <laughs> ah. I saw that look in your eyes of like, did, have you ever oh, did, no. you had joy? No. I've, I've had 13 years of joy. Oh, oh. good. Since marriage <laughs> and hopefully or more. Yeah, as I say, okay. hopefully more than 13 years. Yeah, 13 plus, I hope. <laughs> yeah, 13 growing. Okay, good. Awesome. Well, uh, just to reset, we're doing our whole season, Vices and Virtues. Today, we're going to talk about a virtue, joy. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Before we get into that, let me, ladies, 
give you a shout out to one of our listeners and a shout out to you. This comes from, uh, this is a brand new review to the podcast. It's titled Vulnerable, Relatable, and Scripture-Backed Truth. This uh, listener says, this has been one of my favorite podcasts for a while now, but this season's Vices and Virtues theme has made me love it even more. She says, I have benefited from every episode in a profound way because of the vulnerability, bravery, and maturity you guys lead with. Thank you for the honesty, relatability, and scripture-backed truth you present. I wish I could be your real-life friend and do this parenting, marriage, and discipleship life with you, but I'm grateful for this technology in each new episode. Thank you. That is so kind. So kind. That's a very well-written review. Yeah. Some of these people are really literate. I've never met somebody who wanted to be a real-life friend. What's that like? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I love that. What a sweet review. And I have loved this season. I don't know how you guys have felt about it, but I have really enjoyed focusing in a little bit more, a little bit narrower, and then over several weeks in a row, getting to kind of bounce from one thing to another. It's been a blessing to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's giving me joy. Oh, Ooh. good segue, Chelsea. Down in your heart. Down in your deep. heart. Deep. Joy, 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 joy. Joy, yeah. joy, yeah. joy. Did you guys, do you guys still sing that with kids, Cassie? We don't. Is that a thing? We used to sing it way back in the day in preschool ministry all the time. I don't think it's I on feel- the rep, on the... What's it called? Rotation? The rotation of songs yeah. that we sing. You're about to say repertoire, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the rotation. The other song we used to sing a lot as a kid in church was If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands, which I feel like is not really I don't think that was being song. sung in churches yeah, oh, really? commonly, just yours maybe. Just mine maybe? I've never, no. You're the first person I've ever heard. Maybe we were just, so into joy. Yeah, maybe. I feel like it was a VBS song. Yeah. Along with I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-S-C-I-N. That one's a little bit more Christian. Because it spells Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Joy. In but my heart. It, it says, but you've got C-H-R-I-S-T and my H-E-R-T. That's and actually, not that's not true. Mm-hmm. No, he's a so right kind of heretical. Of yeah, um, you've got the S-P-I-R-I-T. Well, he does say in scripture that he and his father will make a home in your heart. That's so sweet. Think about that. But sometimes let's have an episode <laughs> on heretical worship songs. You know what? For Might kids. be a good idea. <laughs> For kids. How about common parental heresies? We could do that sometime Ooh. and just talk about what we hear parents say to their kids that, to comfort them that it's not actual biblical truth. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be good. What if we do a whole season on heresies? We'll just do one a week. I'm into it. Oh, Cassie <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Right, let's bring it back to joy. All right. Our, our kind of uh, formula all semester or all season long has been, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how each vice or virtue is a struggle for us. Uh, before I do that, I don't think we need to define joy. You think people pretty much know what that is? Cassie, you teach on joy. I think, do you differentiate I think it from them, happiness? Yeah, I think that's where it's probably helpful is to help kids see the difference between happiness and joy is that it's not circumstantial. And so we would teach that it's gladness of heart despite your circumstances. Mm. Nice. I like that. Um, and and that can happen because it's rooted in the promises of God being fulfilled in Christ, which is, that's really wordy for young children. But when we're teaching through the promises of God, we talk about how important it is to know like what he promises and how those are fulfilled in Jesus. And it's from that that comes joy. And so when we get to scripture, we can talk about how yeah. I think it speaks to those. But yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> a gladness of heart regardless of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good definition. Chelsea, do you ever struggle with joy? Is joy is gladness of heart regardless of circumstance a difficult thing for Chelsea? It is more difficult in the winter. <laughs> oh, so we're, we're heading into this. Oh, sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. diagnosed her right there, Cassie. Thank you for that on the spot diagnosis. <laughs> uh. 
Unmedicated. <laughs> I'm being so brave right now. I'm going totally unmedicated for, for seasonal affective for disorder. My, for my winter sadness coming on. Yeah, I would say that I, I believe that as a follower of Christ, I do have gladness of heart. But of course, joy can be a struggle because it's it still feels like a choice, feels like a discipline. For sure. um, and I think that it is very similar to gratitude. And I think the two are intertwined, right? Like we struggle with joy when we are ungrateful for what's currently happening. But yeah, I do feel a little, well, let's say this. I actually just feel a lot happier in the summer. And so like it's easier to me to just to feel that joy, the gladness of heart. It feels easier. How about you, Cassie? Joy ever hard for you? Yeah, I think where it's struggle where it's a struggle for me is when I I like I end up trying to make it into a it's about silver linings. Oh. Like instead of just having gladness of heart regardless of circumstance, you're going, like where can I find something to be happy about? Yeah. I'm which so is sad. still circumstantial. Yes. Like yeah. the silver lining in even so That's we just really our oldest just lost. She got made they made it to like the quarterfinals of volleyball playoffs and they lost to a team that had a lot of their friends on it. Oh no. And but I was like I very quickly went to silver lining is that means the the teams are both represent our school. It's both teams are related to our school. And I was like, but that means our school still gets to advance. You know, either way, whoever wins, we get to celebrate that one of the teams is going on to the next. And that felt very silver lining and not at all rooted in yeah. identity in Christ or like Amen. why we can have joy even when we lose, which, you know, and so I think it's, I struggle in that I come, I, I go for the cheaper answer when we, when we have like a, a not ideal circumstance. I'm like kind of running to maybe the world's way of comforting my kids and not the biblical way to Man, do it. You are like, you're hitting me right in a parenting weakness, I think. I think oh. when I look for joy in the way I want to disciple our kids, I think I often look for silver linings. Yeah. Like where, and maybe we can differentiate that a little bit more too, but I, instead of saying regardless of what is happening or what has happened, I have gladness in my heart because I trust the Lord. I go, well, maybe it's because... Or isn't it good right. that, mm-hmm. you know, and you look for some kind of, oh, God's going to do something even better than what right. you thought with your loss. And you go, well, no, that's not what the teaching of joy is. Joy mm-hmm. is, uh, it comes to mind for me when Tim Tebow used to wear the Philippians 4.13 on his eye black mm-hmm. and people would give him a hard time saying, I thought you could do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You just lost, you know, that people translate verses like that to mean I can get to do whatever I want through Christ right. as opposed to even if I lose. I can do that right. through Christ who gives me strength. Right. And even if and if I win, I'm going to do it through Christ who gives me strength. And if I get what I want or if I don't get what yeah. I want, if I have everything I need and I have nothing that I need. Well, that verse is, the context of that verse is that it's contentment. Yes, contentment. And so it's like the thing that feels impossible through all circumstances is to be content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we could say to have joy. What do you guys think, when you guys think of the opposite of joy, and I'll talk about my struggles here in a second as well, but... What word would you use for the opposite of joy? The word that comes to mind is melancholy, but I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's like the spiritual opposite. You know what I mean? But that's what comes to my yeah. head quickly. But like a sadness. Yeah, but pervasive. Maybe yeah, despair. or maybe like despair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. is like lack of hope or yeah, like a hopelessness. Yeah, despair, yeah. hopelessness. Those are the words that come to mind for me when I think about family discipleship in particular and leading our families. Despair is helpful because I go, do I do I ever despair? But the word that comes to mind for me when I think about my struggles with joy is pessimism. Mm. Like if joy is having gladness of heart regardless of circumstances, pessimism is not only do I feel sad when things go bad, I kind of walk through life expecting them to go bad Mm. and treating things, I don't know what the right word is. I'm like preemptively discontent. Yeah. Preemptively sad. Assuming 
the worst. Mm. We stay braced. You, stay well, you, braced. You cope. Yes. You, it's the way we cope with like, we might not get what we want. To hope feels so vulnerable and risky. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so to hope that, like for my girls to hope that they were going to win that game feels risky. And so you kind of hedge it with like, oh, but they're so good and we'll probably lose. And yep. And it's like, that's not the, yeah. that's so not a. It's a way of saying like, I have to protect myself because I am unprotected. Right. Yep. Rather yeah. than saying like, God protects me through everything. Right. And then there, there's what I find so besetting in my life, which is apathy, which I think is an enemy of joy, mm. but it doesn't look as much like a violent enemy, yeah. but, I, but I do think it is an enemy of joy. Yeah. But it, it creeps in all the time. It's like, what if I just didn't care? Yeah. Yeah. I think the silver lining also dismisses the sadness we might be experiencing. It's okay to be sad. So yeah. I think what's confusing is you can have joy, but also feel the loss of something and yeah. the weight of that loss. And it's like- And grief. Man, you're, yeah, you're bummed. And- Yep. That's okay. It's okay to be sad, but also you worked. We have a lot to celebrate from this season, you know, and not only like friendships and what they learned and how God grew them, you know, as a team. But yeah, I think when it's around circumstances and the silver lining is still circumstantial, you're kind of dismissing what they're feeling in that moment to try and because you feel uncomfortable in whatever their disappointment is. Totally. I, I love what you're saying about, I think silver linings, pessimism, those are words that I, when I think through my struggles, those are things I really struggle with mm. when I think about parenting. It, maybe to be more concrete for a second, a lot, we talked a lot about sports losses, but it goes far beyond that. Yeah. When I think about behavior for our kids, I can be pretty pessimistic mm. and send our kids somewhere and go like, oh, I bet they're going to do this. I know them. I know their tendency. They're going to be like this. And instead of having joy for the way my kids are and the way they behave and accepting them for who they are and parenting them through it, I already like, Mm. I'm already making myself sad going, this is how it's going to turn out poorly. If you have a, we've talked about this before, you have a shy kid, you're like, oh, he'll be a social reject. You have a super outgoing kid, oh, he's going to get in trouble all the time. Just have these pessimistic futures for them instead of having joy, like look at the way the Lord made this kid and I want to shape it. I want to direct it that I get pessimistic. And then silver linings, I could do the same thing with the same thing. You get a hyperactive kid, you're like, well, you know, at least he's not that. Right. At least he's not like this. Or she, if somebody had daughters like Cassie does. Beautiful daughters. Beautiful daughters. <laughs> that you might think, you know, if I can comfort myself with a silver lining, what am I doing? I, we've talked about this so many times on the show. I'm not building resilience. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching them them. They don't have to be resilient because don't worry. Everything's not lost. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. I can even do it in a Christian manner when somebody passes away. Like, is the silver lining that they went to heaven? Or is it like, I had joy in Christ whether they did or not? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to parse that out a little bit in my own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Cassie's really said all my, all the wheels turning in my head about the silver linings concept. It's very, it's very helpful to think about that, like, that is still circumstantial. Yeah. And I'm trying to pretend or like reframe the circumstances in my head to convince myself I actually did get what I want instead of being able to just go to Mm. the father and say, I did not get what I want. All my trust is still in you. I still have hope. Your Bible, the Bible says, Hoping you does not put me to shame. Yeah. Right. So I still have it. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted but, to jump right to the scripture part here because there are stories that are coming to mind for me, even as you talk about silver linings, Cassie, that like Chelsea said, that are bringing up for me a different kind of joy than just saying, well, it's not the worst or this something worse could have happened or at least something good will come from it. Yeah. And I feel like when some terrible circumstance happens, and Chelsea knows this, we've had friends and relatives that are not believers that when something terrible happens and they've heard from a Christian, well, God has a plan in it all. It has not been a comfort to them. No, it's very offensive. Yes. And so instead of hearing that, it's like, 
And honestly, I think they were hearing it as like somebody saying a silver lining thing instead of mm. saying, well, since I have my joy rooted in Christ, even when the storm comes, my house is still okay because mm-hmm. that's not my house was not built on this person living as long as I thought they should or mm-hmm. uh, me getting this job that I thought I should or getting this relationship I thought I should or getting these kids. My house, my house was not built on those things. My right. house was built on the Lord and that could not be removed. Instead, we, we say things like, well, God, God has a plan as if the silver lining is even what's happening is good. Yeah. I'm like, no, everything that's happening is not necessarily good. God is good. Yeah, God is good. Yeah. My joy is not rooted in no matter the circumstance, the circumstance is good. Right. No, it, the joy is rooted in no matter the circumstance, God is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's sovereign. He's always good. That's two truths we teach at Eastside to kids all the time. That's our church. That are also things I need to remind my own heart and parents all the time that God is always in charge and God is always good. And that's really, really easy to say and really, really hard to grab onto in some circumstances. Sure. Yeah, if our kids can walk away with, you know, and I know y'all teach this at Eastside too because we both, for the most part, I think use the similar curriculum, but the wise, generous, loving, and good. Like if my kids can know those four things when they leave my house and believe them, then they know he knows what's best. He does what's best. He is what's best. He is what's best. We're missing one. Wise, generous, loving. Oh, he gives what's best. Yeah. He knows he He gives. knows he gives, he does, and he, he is. is. Yeah. And so like even when circumstances feel like they contradict those things, it's no, but he is, he is at work and he knows what's best. And yeah. what was best was not for us to be the ones that go on, but for this other team. And he's going to continue to do work out the joy of our salvation in the midst of this loss or whatever the Mm -hmm. thing you're facing. When we turn to the silver lining oftentimes too, I think it leads us to comparison. Yeah. And like, which then you're like looking around at whatever the circumstances of others are. And then you're using those as a mirror to try and like look more at your, like the, what does their, that person's circumstance say about me? Yeah. And so it's really, it's it's using another person's circumstance to make you feel better and try and find your joy through that, which is so fleeting because their circumstances can change or yours can change. Yeah. It's not lasting. Yeah. No. So. Everything about that is unhealthy. And we do it both ways. We use, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, someone else's circumstance to prove something good or bad. Mm-hmm. We'll do that both ways. Joy, to conflate it with silver linings, is one of our struggles. I think another one we need to talk about is when people think joy and happiness are the same thing. Mm. What does that do? When you when you take the fruit of the Spirit and turn it into happiness, or you make the pursuit of your family's life the happiness of the child, what happens? And I know I, I do this too, but the struggle when you make your kid's happiness the goal of your family, then what happens is you, you replace God with your child mm-hmm. and say, what will bring my house peace? what will bring my house joy is the happiness of my children. And yeah. I'm not against the happiness of children. I'm all four kids laughing and <laughs> no, having I, a good No, time. you're notorious yeah, for being against I, the happiness of children. Kids aren't good <laughs> unless they're crying or quiet, I always say. you know. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. Like, <laughs> I am for their happiness, but it's very, very easy as a parent to replace the God on the throne with the baby on the potty, mm. you know, and go, hey, that whatever that baby wants, if I can get him to stop crying, I will do it. Mm-hmm. Or I love that kid so much, I will do whatever it takes to make them happy. And the goal as a Christian parent, the goal of family discipleship, discipling our kids, should not be whatever it takes to make our kids happy. Yeah. Now, holiness, you know, whatever it takes to make our kids holy, and along that path, there will be joy regardless of circumstance. That is so much better. Mm-hmm. But I find myself all the time 
and this is often selfish, trying to make my kids happy because that makes me happy. Yeah. And so not only I, I'm not only replacing God with them, I'm replacing God with me, saying, if I want to be pleased, mm-hmm. then I will have a pleasing child. Mm-hmm. And so I aim at having a pleasing child because then I feel better about myself. And that, again, is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. That, again, is a version of your silver linings that you're talking about. But it's it's conflating joy with happiness mm-hmm. in a way that's not not biblical. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the Spirit is not, hey, if you're in the Spirit, you will be happy. Happy is circumstantial. Right, in yeah. fact, it comes from the same word as happenstance, if I remember right. Like happenstance and happy are easy to like keep in mind to go, my happiness is tied, tied to my happenstance, mm-hmm. what's happening around me. Where joy, on the other hand, is rooted in something that will not go away, which yeah. we can talk about. Is that resonating with you guys at all? Yeah. I, th- I think we have such like a profound fear of suffering and a fear of yeah. adversity where our faith is weak, believing that God will be with us in it, that he won't abandon us, that he will use it for his glory, that it won't be wasted. And so what you're describing about the kids' happiness, I feel like where I see that, it's just we, as a culture, a lot of us have this fear of like any amount of discomfort or something difficult. When I've talked through uh, discipline with kids, with some moms, it just they feel crushed by the idea of their child be mom- being momentarily unhappy. Right. You know, for a moment. And I'm like, well, it'll it's worth it. It's good. And it just it's so there's something kind of terrifying to them about like making their child unhappy mm. even momentarily. And right. something as believers, again, like one way that we can be set apart in our world is to be totally unafraid of suffering. We know it's coming. Mm-hmm. We know it's coming. It was promised to us. Right. Today at church, we read from Isaiah chapter 30. It said that God give, feeds us the bread of affliction. Like, mm. it's coming. It's happening. And we don't have to be afraid. Yeah. He also says in that same chapter that we he binds up the wounds that he inflicted. Mm-hmm. Right? So we don't, we don't have a karma belief where like anything that bad that happened can't be from God or any suffering that happened must be from sin. We have a belief that God is a good and loving father, which means he does discipline his children the same way a shepherd would a sheep, the Mm -hmm. same way a loving father would a son, that there is suffering in our life that is tied to the love of God, not in spite of and not uh, dragging us away from. And so there's there's a sense in which I, as a responsible parent, need to think about how do I not inflict suffering and pain on my child? That's not what I'm asking for. Nobody wants abuse. Nobody wants neglect. But what we do have to think through is, am I trying to solve every problem my kid has for them? And is the solution to get them happy? And maybe a secondary question would be, is that just so I can feel better about mm-hmm. myself? So I can be happy. Yes. As opposed to, am I walking, if I'm walking with the Spirit, which is what Galatians 5 would say, that's the fruit of the Spirit, it comes from walking by Him, next to Him. If I'm walking with the Spirit, it will never lead to these sinful things, these works of the flesh. But if I'm walking with the Spirit, it will lead to joy. And you see that in Jesus' life, that he's saying, I want you to have this, so that your joy might be complete, or that you might share my joy. And what he's not saying, well, there is an element of happiness. There is an element of gladness. Like you, I like your definition, Cassie, gladness of heart. It is not the same thing as saying, I just want, I just want you to get whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I just want you to have whatever your heart desires. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the heart, if the heart got whatever it desires, it would lead to the breaking of all 10 of the Ten Commandments, right? right? Mm-hmm. We would covet and get what we wanted that, that come from thievery, or we would uh, commit adultery, or we would commit murder. Why? Because we're not getting what we want, and what would make me happy is getting what I want. Instead, we can go, I don't need to steal. I have joy. I don't need to covet. 
I have joy. I don't need another wife. I have a wife. I have joy in my wife. I don't need another man's donkey or a male servant or a maid servant or whatever you want to say. Why? Because I have joy and I trust God. I'm so content with what he's given mm-hmm. me. And whether that's infertility or whether it's a hundred kids, whether it's adoption or whether it's a kid with special needs, whatever my parenting situation is, I can find joy. Mm-hmm. Even in suffering, even if I lose a child mm-hmm. or lose a spouse, there's joy to be found there. And while the other end of the spectrum is despair in one sense, it's also true that even in the midst of sadness and grief, a Christian yeah. can find joy. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. All right. I want to move us to strengths a little bit here and talked a lot about where this is weak for us. Actually, you know what? Let's, we've covered a little bit of strengths here. Let's talk about scripture. We've, we've touched on a little bit. What comes to mind for you from the Bible when you think about joy? What stories come to mind? What verses come to mind? Maybe uh, particularly in Christ, what comes to mind for you guys? Well, I mean, what Chelsea was saying with suffering, James 1 says, count it all joy. Brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Yeah. And... I mean, I think the scripture talks about suffering a ton. And uh, this verse is so helpful because it's like, hey, that we can look we can look ahead at suffering. We might not be able to anticipate it or plan for it or, you know, kind of what you're saying, like be, have this pessimistic view so that we feel prepared. But the way we would prepare for suffering is um, to know that it's coming. And like I said earlier, be very certain of God's promises and his character so that when it does come, the rock that our house is built on is who he is. He's unchanging. So we don't have right. to worry about our circumstances changing in a way that would affect us negatively because God is 
God is unchanging. And uh, what is true about him thousands of years ago is true about him today. And uh, that's really good news for those of us who are in the middle of trials. And I know, gosh, between our two churches, we've got plenty of that. You know, we have families facing some really heartbreaking things. Yeah. And um, we've watched them walk in so much joy and hope despite Mm -hmm. that. And it doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean they don't grieve. It doesn't mean they don't wrestle with doubt or have the dark night of the soul. But it does mean that they're relying on the steadfastness of God. And that's what gets them kind of through the day and they don't lose hope. The other thing I think about all throughout the Psalms, we see the psalmist go from oriented to who God is, to disoriented by their circumstances, to reoriented um, and the joy of their salvation restored. Um, And so I just think if that's something you're struggling with, the Psalms are such a great way to think about like, hey, here's a psalmist who struggles with the same thing I do. They wake up, they've got the joy of the Lord, mercies are new, they have a bad day, they feel disoriented, is God who he says he is? Where were you when my, you know, when I got that speeding ticket? Or where were you when this happened? And then they become reoriented to who God is, which provides them that joy that is lasting and kind of gets them through the the rest of the day. So I love that. Chelsea, what comes to mind to you? Think of Psalm 51, where the psalmist says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. If there is anything circumstantial or what 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 ultimately gives us gladness of heart is ultimately mm-hmm. the fact that it is a miracle um, that God took any hellbound sinner. And pluck them off the wide path that leads to destruction, mm-hmm. and put them on the narrow one that leads to life. That that is unreal. So when we think about what is robbing us of joy, or how we've we've looked away from joy, I think that's an important one. And it's just yeah. it's modeled for me, like to pray that same prayer, mm-hmm. restore it to me, yeah. restore it to me, the joy of my salvation. Yeah, I love what you're saying there too, because the, that joy is the opposite of it. Would really display a lack of trust. Right to say, it, maybe as a parent, I should say it like this: If the Lord plucks any hellbound sinner, and that's what leads to joy, if I, as a parent, am trying to disciple my kids, and that kid is not coming to Christ, I can get pessimistic, I can despair. But if I go, man, if I'm losing joy, then I'm saying I don't trust God's plan for this mm-hmm. child's life or for my family. Yeah, where joy is rooted is going like I can trust God even right now. If I'm doing what the Lord's asked me to do, and it's not the result that I wish it was. That doesn't have to rob me of joy because yeah. God is still gracious, even if he doesn't save my child or if he doesn't save as much as I want them to. He doesn't save someone I love. Yeah, I can say he's still good, yeah. and that's where my joy rests. Yeah. And then uh, Jesus talks about joy in uh, John 15 where he's talking to his disciples, and it's just, I love that passage. It's a really sweet sentiments that he shares with them. He talks about being uh, the branches and he's the vine and he's going, you're going to stay with me. And he talks about them being pruned. And that's helpful to think about the discipline of the Lord Mm -hmm. and to think about what will be hard. But then he says, I've loved you. um, Like the father has loved him. And he says, remain in my love. And then he says in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And that's just a sweet thing to hear from Jesus, from our savior, Mm -hmm. that he's like, I did it for joy. Yeah. I did it so that you could have joy and not just like a little bit or a partial or an almost, but he says, I I told you this so that your joy may be complete. Well, what's bizarre to that is so many people imagine Jesus is kind of like a very, very serious, very, very sober. And if anything, like kind of weeping inducing, you know, is so convicting or he's so angry or so disappointed. And in that verse, he doesn't describe the joy as something foreign to him. He describes it as something intrinsic to him. Mm -hmm. He says that you may have my joy. Yeah. 
and your joy may be complete. Yeah, that my right. joy may be in you. Yeah. He describes himself as kind of not only the source of joy, but one incarnate God, 100% human, who experiences this complete joy. Yeah. And while there aren't, uh, you know, overt stories of Jesus laughing hysterically or maybe what we'd associate with happiness, we do see him have joy. And there's a mm. joy in him, even in sadness, that as he approaches the the woman with uh, the issue of blood, or we can say as Peter uh, realizes he's the Messiah and it's, it's revealed to him by his father, you get these these pictures where you can see like, oh, that's a, that's a rooted man. That man is uh, full of joy and I want that joy. Or, you know, the scriptures tell us that he faced, it was his joy to face the cross. Yeah, for the joy set before him. For the right? joy set before him, he, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane is not, it doesn't look like what we would consider the joy set before him, right? Where he's sweating blood because mm-hmm. of the strain of the situation. And that's why our definition of joy has to shift from just happiness. I don't think Jesus was like, I love pain. Mm. He wasn't like, oh, but it was for what it would accomplish. Mm-hmm. It was his joy to do it. Mm-hmm. And talk about a good word to parents. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not that all of parenting will be simple and make you happy. It's that what you are aiming at, which is a son or daughter who will one day love Jesus and you will train them up in the way they should go and one day they will go that way, that that hard work is worth it. Mm-hmm. Every day when you're a mom and you are exhausted, when you're a dad and you're exhausted, when you are suffered because of how difficult your family is, you might still say, I can find the same joy the Lord found and it's found for me in Christ. Mm. One of the stories that comes to mind for me, and I I think about this one, and it kind of still kind of throws me a little bit, but Acts chapter five, do you guys remember this? There's this story where the apostles are brought in, they're arrested, and then they're beaten. Mm -hmm. It says they're severely beaten, and they're ordered to never speak in the name of Jesus again. And you remember how they left? Yeah, they left rejoicing. It says they left rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Come on. And again, they're not silver linings. They're not going, oh, at least we got out of there. You know, it could have been worse. They could have killed us. Mm. So let's find joy in that, guys. Let's just find joy that we got out. No, their joy is always rooted in this is our God's work. Yeah. This is our God's work. We are, we've been considered worthy to suffer disgrace. They see in that kind of like um, a sympathy, a, um, a coinciding. If Jesus suffered and I suffer, whew, right. wow, that's awesome. I got to live the same life Jesus lived where he suffered because he followed our God relentlessly. And if I suffer for those same reasons, I can be thrilled. Yeah. I can rejoice. I don't think they were going similarly. They're not going, I love getting beaten and arrested. Mm-hmm. I just love it. It's one of my favorite things. No, but they do love saying, I will follow Jesus no matter what. And that's where my joy is secure and resting. That is a really hard thing to settle into my heart. And I'll tell you, it's really hard to parent, mm-hmm. to kind of land the plane here. If a parent came to you and said, okay, I don't want to just parent out of my silver linings. I don't want to parent like with blind optimism. I don't want to parent just to make my kids happy. I want to parent out of joy and I would love to grow the fruit of joy in my kid's life. Mm. Cassie, what do you say to a mom who comes to you and says, I'm struggling with my own joy, but I also want to Mm. parent joy? Well, I think like we even have already discussed, I think focusing on attributes and promises of God is a great first step. So if you find yourself like having forgotten or just haven't really given time to knowing like and thinking about the attributes of God and what his promises are to his people, then I would definitely say spend some time there. And uh, and then I would say find someone in your life who is exhibiting joy. 
I don't know, I can think of, I'm like thinking of names of people in our church right now that you see them and you just know, like you can, like mm-hmm. yeah. you're walking in a measure of joy that is unlike any other. And I would ask for time with that person. So That's find good. who it is, even if you know they're in the middle of a hard season um, and yet they're still coming to church on Sundays and they're still singing their songs and taking communion. I would get some time with them and ask, how are you doing this? Yeah. How do you show up on Sundays? How are you singing your songs? Because if I were you, I think I would be in despair. And you seem to be steadfast, trusting in the Lord and hoping hoping in Christ. And I would get some time and ask kind of what disciplines maybe they've put in their life and ask them to pray for you and to walk with you in that. That's good. Yeah. Chels? I agree with Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, there's a lot to be said for... Um, for prayer and meditation and fasting, things yep. that the scriptures command and seem to expect of us that we don't practice and then feel surprised um, when we don't have all the fruit That's good. that we hoped for. And so in, in line with the, those ideas of God's promises, can you take time to really dwell on that, mm-hmm. um, to really soak that in um, and try to f- feel like you're absorbing those promises. Say, that is true about me. That's being yeah. spoken over me. Picture Jesus saying it to you by name. In John chapter 14, when he talks about the house he's preparing for us, can you picture what your house or your room would be like? That mm-hmm. Jesus said, he said, if it were not so, then I wouldn't be telling you this. Yeah. I'm going to go prepare it, and then I'm going to come and get you. That's a good promise. I know a lot of people that are worried about their current house about their bathrooms and their kitchen and their cabinets mm. and everything. Mm-hmm. But can we dwell on that for a minute, that Jesus said that? That's a promise from him that said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. That's a really sweet promise. Yeah, can we take time and soak, soak things like that up mm. and get really rooted, like Cassie said, to be rooted in those promises? That's good. Yeah, to your point, Chelsea, it was just a few weeks ago I put on, and this is maybe, it would seem antithetical for the book choice, but I was thinking about this and I put on an audio book of Ecclesiastes, mm. which is a book that a lot of people would say is like depressing, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, everything's vanity, everything's worthless, but it really it's pointing back to like, you have mm. God, so everything else in comparison offers you nothing. And there's so many verses in there though about like, what does a man have but to eat, drink, and be merry all the days of his life, to do his work? And there's something kind of beautiful about the simplicity of it and following God. Like uh, Cassie, do you know what Streetlights is? You ever listen to Streetlights? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a, its own, it's like the message or its own version of scripture. Kind of. They take they take a version of scripture and they read it. It's an audio like Bible. Hip hoppy. Yes, and it puts hip hop beats behind it, and it's free and it's, it's wonderful. Cool. Yeah. And so I put on the Streetlights version of Ecclesiastes. Nice. And I went to lunch by myself, and I just kind of read along in my Bible while it was read, and then when I wasn't reading along, I'm just eating and. It was such a blessing to me mm. to be reminded of some of the simple truths of Ecclesiastes. And the reason I did that, you know, I was I, I talked about this on a recent episode, but I was thinking through the Mary and Martha story and how the way Jesus described Mary was uh, sitting at his feet, listening to his word. It's like, that's what I need. I needed some time where I'm just going to listen to his word. Yeah. And so I put on an audio Bible and let somebody else read it to me. And it was really moving and it was helpful to me. To just be confronted with, there's a lot of things in this life that really don't matter. And there's some things that are going to bring you happiness. But at the end of the day, like my joy is rooted in the Lord. And yeah. so I love what the way you said it, Chelsea. There are some practices we've been called to, some disciplines we've been called to. And when we ignore them, for some reason, yeah. we're surprised when there's no fruit. So we could run right back to the Word of God and say, as you're, as you're parenting, that's where you're taking your kids. You're not trying to come up with the right combination of words that right. will unlock something in your kid's heart because you've been so profound. Yeah. 
No, you're going to keep calling them back to the one they actually need, their yeah. Savior, who is what is best. Right, Cassie? Yeah. yeah. Does what is best. Yeah. What are the other ones? Knows what's best. Gives what is best. Does. Knows. Is. Is. Amen. Let's go get tattoos. Let's still do it. <laughs> so serious. We need to remember that. Oh, we're serious but, about tattoos? Well, about wanting to remember these things. So, okay, good. Uh, that episode we did with Andy Crouch when he's talking about technology, that has like really like, mm. it's kind of tattooed something on my brain where it really wasn't what he was talking about. He just talked about the way like hard work forms you and yeah. technology takes away a lot of hard work. But it has just like really kind of become like a little mantra in my brain kind of when things are difficult and I'm just going, oh, he's forming me. He's forming yeah. me. Yep. Where I felt like, a lot of times I would feel like something was completely unrelated to God's plan, right? Mm. Just an inconvenience, just a frustration, just a mishap um, or something like that. And and wondering like, why does this have to be so hard? Whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish, whatever is being, however my plans are being frustrated. Yeah. And yeah, that, that little voice has just been like in my head of like, oh, he's forming me. He's forming me. And that is a promise of God yeah. that brings me joy Yeah, Amen. is that he has not taken his hands off me. And he said, he's mm-hmm. going to keep working on me, perfecting me, bringing me into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. And he is not going to stop until the day he comes back for me. And so when things, mm are hard when something is frustrating when there's suffering and adversity I have to remember that God promised to work on me and that's how he's working mm-hmm. on me right then rejoice yeah yeah that's good we can rejoice in that well thanks for listening friends if you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends if you want to keep up with us or join the conversation you can follow the family discipleship podcast on Instagram and Facebook We really love you listeners, and we will talk to you again next week.